Hello, and welcome to The Heart of It, the podcast that gets to the heart of what we do and why we do it. I'm your host, writer and author Kate Sevilla, and each week I'll be taking a closer look at the working lives of passionate and creative people. This week, our guest is fashion creative and podcast host Karen Arthur. Karen worked in education for over three decades, but a combination of grief, depression, anxiety, and menopause prompted a massive shift in not only her career, but her life as a whole. She now designs vibrant and gorgeous clothing and also hosts a first-of-its-kind podcast, Menopause Wilds Black. I talk with Karen about what it was like to make a huge career change in her 50s, the benefits of going to therapy, and the story behind why and how she launched her podcast. Plus, of course, she tells me what's ultimately at the heart of her work. You describe yourself as being a fashion creative. You obviously create and design clothes for other women and yourself, and you're very supportive of small businesses. And I love how open you are about your own mental health. And you have um, something called Where You're Happy, which is a wonderful sort of intersection between fashion and psychology and mental health. Do you want to tell our listeners a bit more about what Where You're Happy means and what it is I will I will I'm happy to explain because I feel really strongly about the fact that where you're happy is something that everybody can do yes my focus is women because I'm a woman and I have two women children who won't like being dual children (laughs) but um it came out of necessity it became out organically so I've always been into fashion I've always been into style I loved the outside validation. I was a teacher for 28 years. And although I started dance teaching, so I I actually ran around in a huge hot pink play suit for a lot of those years. Uh, When I moved across to a pastoral leading, so I became a head of year and a head of house, I had to, I thought I had to power dress. So I was heels and flesh colored tights and shoulder pads and head wraps and color. And I looked fucking amazing. I'm sure. And I loved the power I felt actually walking into school wearing heels when we had parents evenings. I did love the outside validation. I can't lie. I mean, I loved how I looked. Yeah. But I wasn't so interested in how I felt because I didn't have time to feel because I was too busy doing all the stuff. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm so busy. I don't even have time to feel. I'm so sorry. Who's got time to feel? (laughs) So, you know, fast forward to 2014, I was entering perimenopause before I even knew that was a thing that existed. Both my girls had gone to university, one had gone back and one started. So I had the house to myself, emptiness syndrome, Hmm. uh, my boiler broke, lots of things happened. And that silence meant that I had the time to look at my life. And I didn't like it very much. It was Mm. literally getting up, going to work, working, coming home, doing some more work, eating, falling asleep, getting up, doing it all over again. Not fun. No. I was sewing. I had a little business on the side. I made Ankara fabric, African print fabric bags. And I made, I started to make clothing and I'd done a fashion show and I loved that. But I think I was using that to mask what was really going on. So I had some time off work and I tried to get better to go back to work. 
and that didn't work. Uh, <laughs> and it just didn't. And then my aunt passed away, and it took everybody by surprise. But I was the closest next of kin. I was the executor of her will. I was the number all the medical services had to call and things like that. And I had worked out in my head the third time she went into hospital, I worked out, you know, I was working out future thinking about all the things we were going to do together and what a great niece I was going to be and how I was going to make up for lost time. And then she didn't come out. Mm. And that hit hard. Yeah. I left my job and I had nothing to do. I went from running around being stressed menopause had been mentioned but I was more interested in the fact that I'd been diagnosed with anxiety and depression and no one at the time made the link that we all know which is that menopause can be linked to anxiety and depression yeah so I didn't know that so um I started to I learned mindful meditation I got very quiet ostensibly because I had fuck all to do like literally (laughs) nothing (laughs) I, I, I didn't want to sew I'd lost no. the will to be creative. Most of my friends were teachers, so everybody was, you know, people were in jobs. Yeah. I wasn't answering my phone. I wasn't really getting dressed. You know, I went full on depression. I feel like I was, you know, yeah. some kind of... Well, it's the depression, anxiety, yeah. grief, menopause, yeah. job. Like, that's a lot. It was a lot. And I, do you know what? No one's ever put it like that. But yeah, it was a lot. That's a fuck ton. That's not just a lot. <laughs> and I, I suppose at some point I started to notice the relationship with my relationship with fashion had changed. So when I stopped teaching, I stopped wearing all those power clothing. I was in tracksuits a lot. If I went outside, very rarely I would wear my, I have long locks. I'd wear my locks down, no head wrap, mm. hood over, you know, hug the sides of the hedges hope to god that I saw no one I knew and I worked in a local school so it was very likely I would see I did that thing where you see someone you know walking in front of you so you stop and pretend you're doing your shoelace up until they've mm-hmm. gone I did that a lot yeah and then I was invited to things and I was ignoring them and then the time I remember where you're happy really kicked in was when I was going to Jazz Refest. Jazz Refreshed have a festival every year. It was at the South Bank and it was a really hot day. I was going to meet my friend and I deliberately arranged to meet her because I knew if I didn't arrange to meet someone, I wouldn't go. Yeah. But I was late because I now realise that part of my anxiety means that I'm often late to things. Okay, I'm working on it, guys. And... (laughs) It's hard. It is hard. And I got out of the shower and I texted my friend and I said, I'm running late. And she didn't respond, so she's probably on the tube. And I sat on the bed in my in my towel and I looked at my bed and I thought, I really want to just get in there and just curl up. But I thought, no, what can I do? What can I wear that will make me feel better and get me out the house? So I chose a specific head wrap bright colours, specific top that I'd made, a pair of jeans that I happened to have made. Yes, I've made jeans. Uh, (laughs) My aunt's earrings, I think, and one of her bangles that made me feel close to her. And I stepped out the door and I 
I mean, I knew that once I got there, I'd be fine. It was just the getting from my bed to meet my friend. And it worked. And I started to, I talked about it a bit on social media and I'd use the hashtag where you're happy. Hmm. But for a long time, I was talking to myself. I would just like post pictures of my outfits and explain where they're from because where you're happy can be around colour and people assume it's colour looking at me because I wear a lot of colour. But it's so many other things. It's memory, it's happy memories, it's vintage, it's texture, you know, silks close to your skin or soft textures. You know, it's choosing clothes that don't give a flying fuck who cares what you look like. And so, yeah. yeah. And I wrote an ebook about it. I wrote uh, Eight Ways to Wear You're Happy. And I live by it. I absolutely live by it. It's changed my style. It's changed me. I am not the person I was six, seven years ago. I am not yeah. depressed anymore. My anxiety comes and goes and I know what to do with it. My moods come and go, but guess what? COVID, <laughs> you know, global pandemic, I mean, that'll do it. Exactly. That will do it just a little bit. And that's one of the things that I really wanted to ask you is because obviously where you're happy has such a, a beautiful and, and sad story at the same time of how it kind of evolved and, and came to be. And it's a real marker for your own healing and a new phase of an evolution of you. How important has that been to you over the last 11, 12 months of, of this pandemic and going in and out of lockdown when, I mean, I'm just wearing an NHS hoodie. That's all I can, <laughs> I, have, I have purple leggings, but that's pretty much all I can kind of manage at the moment. But for me, see, the purple leggings are perfect. Um, you know what? My depression prepared me for lockdown, lockdown one, let's be clear, because lockdown three is a whole nother level. And so I already had the tools. I knew full well that during lockdown, I was going to dress as if I was leaving the house. I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. So my work from home, whilst everybody else was, you know, spending money on loungewear and um, chucking their bras away, I was buying matching lingerie and yeah, literally dressing, not every day. I'm not, you know, completely bonkers, but certainly <laughs> making conscious, making conscious decisions about my clothing. Yes. You know, and that would help me feel better. For an example, at the moment, although I am actually still in my PJs, but that's a longer story. I also have a bright orange head wrap on mm -hmm. that I didn't sleep in. And I chose that deliberately. I chose orange because orange is a vibrant color and it's my favorite color and it's a giver of life. And I chose the fabric because it reminds me of a beautiful holiday. Holiday. Oh, holiday. I had in solo holiday, I had in Bali three years ago. Uh, so and the, I have a whole story around it. And I also have bright pink glasses on, so there's that. So I feel that when we honour ourselves enough, this is not a diss at you, by the way, or oh, anybody no. else. You You're like, way. If you were really honouring yourself, you would not be wearing this hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> you, you choose, and it doesn't have to be head to toe. Hmm. You choose something that you love for a specific reason. Where you're happy isn't about anybody else. This is the yeah. other thing. Where you're happy is only about, it's nobody else's business how you choose to dress. But if you choose to wear a tutu and wellies, yeah. if you choose to do that, that's your business. It's nobody else's. You yeah. know, I think fashion teaches us to be fixated on the way that we look. And I think that does us no service, particularly as women, because when 
our bodies change and our looks don't do what we wanted them to do or you know we mm-hmm. when we start to change we have tied our worth to the way that we look and so we find that transition menopause really really difficult yeah you know absolutely well i don't personally know <laughs> but no you don't yes, know no i'm in a different phase of what's going on with my body I, <laughs> um what i think is so interesting cuz obviously we've we've talked about this before about your your job transition cuz i was going to ask you what what that that transition from you know i think you said 28 years in education was like and then going to work for yourself and kind of doing your your fashion and your creativity uh full time but it all it also kind of feels like a very small part <laughs> of everything else that was going on for you at the time did it feel like i'm changing career this is a really big thing or was it just kind of like just throw it in the pile of everything else that's going on for me right now at the time it was scary a s yeah. It was the most one-off, the most scary things I've ever done. Because yeah. I was taught that you choose a job, you choose a career, and then you stick with it, and then you die. And in between that, you'll meet your ideal partner and have two children and buy a house and settle down. Hmm. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> and I so, feel like that rarely happens now. <laughs> So when I, because the other thing was for a good six months, I was trying to get better to go back to work. Yes. Because I had brain fog. I was forgetting things. My body wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. Anxiety and depression was this label that I wasn't comfortable with. Mm -hmm. But I also felt relieved when I got it, if it makes sense. It was like, oh, okay, good. At least I'm not making an excuse kind of thing. Yeah, I know what it is. Yeah, I know why. But also I wanted desperately to go back to work because I couldn't work out what else I would do and also salary money mortgage kids at uni you know that's scary too very scary so making the decision to leave well the decision was made for me because it was very clear that I couldn't carry on the way I was but the thing is is that when I left I thought oh well that's it then I'll get better now (laughs) and then my aunt passes away you know and and also you don't it doesn't work like that. It just doesn't. No. So it gave me the gift of time. It allowed me to finally go into therapy that I'd been putting off for a gazillion years, <laughs> thinking I would go for six weeks and ended up doing it for three years. I am six and a half years in. Girl. <laughs> Girl. And I wanted to ask you about the the difference doing sort of long-term therapy has had on your life. Because I think I've heard you before describe it as a gift to yourself. It's, first of all, I think everybody should do therapy. I think Same. it's a thing. People get mad when you say that, but I'm like, sorry, I think everyone yes. should. <laughs> I think it is something that everybody should have access to free. Yeah, most importantly, yes. I feel that if you don't take steps to heal yourself, it'll find a way to lick you down, as the phrase goes. Mm-hmm. Kick your ass. Yeah. And I think this breakthrough was my body saying, right, you're not listening. So this is what we're going to do. Ear what? You're going to leave your job and you're going to sit 
the fuck down until you work out what happens next. So I, I wasn't thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to become a fashion designer. Because also I suffered from massive imposter syndrome. Yeah. I don't have a degree in fashion. I just have 40 years of sewing experience and <laughs> just. 30 years of, that's all. That's you all. Know. So I decided I couldn't be a fashion designer. So I was struggling and mm. I was thinking, oh, I'll just get another teaching job or I'll do supply teaching and I'll apply for something. I thought I had to apply for a job. Nothing in my upbringing told me that freelancing was a thing you could do and not die. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. So that conditioning was hard to break. Yeah. So I suppose going into therapy, having the space, the money, that's important. It is very important. Uh, being able to find a black therapist, female therapist, was huge. That at the time I didn't realise was so huge. But as the years <laughs> progressed, it became yeah. very clear that I needed someone who started on the same page as me, who I didn't have to explain what certain things meant. Yes. And she was amazing. And so it saved me. Therapy saved me. And I haven't ruled out going back in again. I think it's criminal. I think I'll go as far to say that there are swathes of people who, and I'm going to say particularly black people yes. at the moment because of the climate we're living in, uh, racial trauma, Black Lives Matter, etc., etc. the whole of 2020, who cannot access free counselling because there either aren't enough or they don't have the money. I think yeah. it's criminal. Yeah, absolutely. And I recognise that I was lucky, but also I'm almost thankful. Hmm? Does that sound right to my depression? Yeah. Sounds a bit weird, but I wouldn't have it any other way because they made me, me, in it. Yeah, yeah. The evolution of me. I love it. That's the name of your <laughs> memoir. Um <laughs> I loved the video that you made for was YouTube channel Style Like You, where oh, you are yeah. literally in your pants talking about some of the most vulnerable moments of your life. And firstly, you looked amazing. And it reminded me that I need to buy more pants and bras that actually match. But also, like, what was that like to do it, to film talking about some really deeply personal things whilst you're looking in the mirror in your pants with a film crew. What was that like? Sorry, I'm, I'm trying not to giggle <laughs> because every time I think about it, I'm like, what the fuck? What did you do? <laughs> um, there's, I think there's six of them. So there's two and then there's crew. Okay. Amazing, amazing women. They have a a method of questioning that is quite, you find yourself saying things you didn't think you mm. were going to say. And I don't think, because it happened so fast, I didn't, I don't think I processed what was actually going to happen because I, yeah. I followed them. I knew people took their clothes off. I got that, but I didn't get it. <laughs> you didn't think, oh, but also me. In, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm standing there and I'm trying clothes on, which is almost my favorite thing. And showing clothes that I've made. Yeah. And what you do is you when they ask the questions. So I'm standing there in my Rigby and Pella, darling, matching oh. uh, bra and knickers. And what they do is they ask a question and then they go, tell me more. Or why was that? Like a therapist. You, How did right. that make you feel? Right. Yeah. 
So I'm looking in the mirror, but I at them. So it's almost like I'm talking to myself. And I forgot I was being filmed. It sounds really silly, but it's true. I forgot I was being filmed. So that all happened. And then that night we went out dancing, which was surreal, uh, in Brixton with Diane Goldie, who makes these wonderful um, kimonos. And then they were gone. And then I went away. I went on a cruise with my American cousin. Nice. It was hilarious. And forgot about it. And then the day I landed, it was released. And my inbox blew up. And I, then I'm like, oh, my God, I'm standing in my bra and knickers. What was I thinking? But I tell you what, one of the best things I ever did, because it resonated with so many women. I still get people who find me from that video, people who are menopausal, women who are menopausal, who go, oh, my goodness, that was me too. I thought I was going mad. And it also, it was the first time I'd admitted that I'd had suicidal thoughts. Yeah. You know, it was the first time that I had told my story from start to finish, that particular story. Yeah. And it was powerful because, I, well, I felt really vulnerable, but I also felt liberated. I mean, it's only 10 minutes, but it's such a powerful piece. It really is. But I'm so grateful to them actually, for seeing me, because I didn't mm. see, I felt some kind of shame still around not being able to do my job, around mm. not being a strong black woman, about feeling weak. That video helped me to realise that actually, you know, my vulnerability is my strength. That's a bit of a cliche, but it's true. Your vulnerability is so powerful. And I've now realised that like even when I post things on Instagram and I share things, I share, I only share what I feel like talking about. Mm-hmm. And often I say things like for, at the moment, I'm sleeping a lot. Sleep is my life actually. And I'm finding January really hard. And I yeah. said it and I'm much more honest about that, which means that people go, Oh, I'm so glad you said that. I was thinking the same thing. Cause we try and soldier on. We're taught to just get on with it. It does us no service getting on with stuff. If you feel like shit, say you feel like shit. You know, I know that tomorrow I may feel slightly different. I know that the sun, I want to sing. No, I know (laughs) the sun will come out again. I literally was going to sing. I will. I'm fine with it. You know, I know that there will be better days, but right now I don't feel so great. So I'm just going to go with that, you know. So that video. And those two, that mother and daughter duo, I would love, I will go to LA. I will go to LA and see you them will. again. But also I, I am thankful because hearing myself, seeing myself repeat my story helped me to realise how far I've come, first of all, mm. but also helped so many other people. Yes. Often women recognize that you're not alone we're not alone often when we feel our most lonely we're not we absolutely aren't there's always someone who's going through something very 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 similar to you yes you know so yeah we're not that different we're not at all no that video yeah it took my breath away really it was it was a stunning video Oh, thank you. I think having the kind of vulnerability and bravery, because I think they're the same thing, to put yourself out there and kind of 
claim your space and tell your story for other people is is so, so important. And as you said, it just people see you and then they see themselves. Mm. And that makes it a huge, huge difference. Mm. Um, And along those same lines, earlier this year, you launched a new podcast and online community called Menopause Whilst Black. Tell me about your decision to start this project, a bit about what it is, and kind of what the last six months doing it have been like for you. Okay, so... 2020, the gift that keeps on giving, because I still think we're in 2020. It's the same. It's just like <laughs> extended. Like Bonus. So February, we went into lockdown. I had brought my sewing machine home from my lovely studio that I miss to my kitchen table. I was like many people who could sew, making face covers and selling face covers. It mm. kept me quiet and busy and stopped me from watching the news and being too anxious. And then George Floyd was murdered. Yeah. Now, I know that Breonna Taylor and Ahmed Arbery and many more so many, yeah. came before. However, George Floyd was the straw that broke the camel's back, actually. Yeah. So quite a few things happened. First of all, the world noticed what black folk had known for a long time. Secondly, social media went a bit bonkers. It was, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Um, black squares. I'll just say that. Mm. I'll just leave that there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I gained a lot of followers overnight on Instagram and that freaked me out. So I went very quiet and I was right. grieving, hurt, angry. I had a rage I could feel. I could feel yeah. it in my, what's that, solar plexus. Yes. And I didn't know what to do with it. So I kept sewing and I kept sewing and I thought, I'll just stay off social media for a bit. And then one Mm -hmm. day I was musing at my kitchen table and thinking, okay, so I'm a black woman. I'm a menopausal black woman. I'm watching, hearing of people in the world who look like our husbands, our brothers, our people we know Mm -hmm. being killed. I'm seeing the declarations of Black Lives Matter, and I'm musing on the fact that why would you have to tell people to, you know, value us? I found that. And then I thought, well, how do, I'm still menopausal, so how are black women, just like me, um, Mm -hmm. navigating this time with COVID, with lockdown, with with everything? And I'd done some research, so I'd done the Google, I'd done the question, you know, if you Google menopause and click images, you know, what comes up? And I'd noticed that I was invisible, which is hard. I'm hard to miss. Uh, I noticed (laughs) they weren't, there wasn't anybody who looked like me. So I did a little bit of research. There is research about menopause and black women, but it is uh, US centric. It often Mm. lumps black women and Hispanic women together. Right. The UK research was from 2007, is from 2007, sorry. It had 22 people in its uh, research and only four of them were black UK women. And it was asking the question why black women tend not to take up HRT as much as white women do. So I did a video and I asked the question, have you ever Googled menopause and clicked images? And then I said, do it after you've listened to me. And then I, I call it a rant. Lots of people have said it wasn't a rant, but it felt like a rant <laughs> to me because you can see sure. me shaking. You can see 
how upset I am. Mm-hmm. I was angry at the fact that there was no diversity around menopause. I angry yeah. that I couldn't see me. We're here going through the stuff that other people a are lot. going through. <laughs> right. There's a lot of you. <laughs> like, And to only include four in a study from 2007, like, oh, thanks. That's helpful. And I honestly thought, I was metaphorically looking around thinking someone with a PhD must have done this research. I'm just missing it. Yeah. I'm just not looking in the right spaces. It must be there. Right. So then I did what I always do when I when no one's doing anything. I get up and do it. So I did my own survey and I asked black UK women to fill it in. And I thought, oh, I'll get 50, which is, you know, over twice as many as the old research. And that'll be good. Yeah. And people kept sharing it. And in the end, I closed it because I was getting quite overwhelmed. And yeah. 235 wow. women filled it in. Wow. And... Lots of things came out of that. I am ploughing through the research, but one of the major, one of the questions I asked was, is there anybody who you're learning from? Who are you, you know, who are you accessing? Where are you getting your research from them? And they were saying no one. And the Mm. reason it took off is because black women were not being asked. This is major. We were here all along and no no one, I was the first person to ask them the questions. So I, a lot of people were saying there needs to be a podcast, there needs to be a, you know, because who was, I wasn't planning to start a podcast. I've never podcasted in my life. I didn't know what editing was. I didn't have a microphone. I didn't know anything. That's a lot. And I thought, oh, someone else will do it. Let someone, and it was very clear that that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so I did it. And, and I spoke to our good friend, Nat. Yes, Natalie Lou. And uh, she said, done is better than perfect. So I got some information about microphones and I asked people to get involved. And then they started to saying yes. And then I was like, shit, I'm going to have to do this, aren't I? <laughs> That's the worst when they say I yes, know. isn't it? Then you've got to do and it. And then I did all these interviews and then I sat with them because I was scared again. Because I thought, oh, yeah. it won't be as good as. And I'm looking at people like Adam Buxton and, you know, people who've been like proper, proper. Doing it for years and years and years. And I'm thinking I'll never be as good as that. And then, I don't know, I just got on with it and it has taken off. I don't know if downloads are important, but I've had a lot of downloads. Let's just put it that way. I'm on the seventh episode. I'm about to record series two. Yeah. And it's just... (laughs) You wouldn't have thought this would be so groundbreaking, but two black menopausal UK women sitting down chatting about menopause. Yeah, it's a thing. It is. <laughs> and it's such a thing. It was in Vogue. Right, right? Yeah. And then Vogue contacted me and wrote this amazing piece called, can I just say, Forces for Change. Kate, I am a force for change. That would be me. You are. That is you. But I feel very passionately about sharing these stories because first of all black women need to be taking more notice of menopause earlier i think women full stop need to be yes. having that conversation no i'll strike that everybody not just women uh because yeah. it's a global conversation that everybody knows someone who is or is going to go through menopause yeah it's not just ours to carry right? and to pay attention to everyone should be aware and I think you said taught in schools about it eventually. Hopefully that'd be nice. But it's not just for women to carry, but there's a heck of a lot more information for the nice white ladies of the world when they Google 
menopausal symptoms. And we could be supporting people. If I think about yeah. all the stuff I know now and I'm still learning that I wish I'd known when my mum was going through menopause so that I could have been more mindful and not thought she was a Mardi old so-and-so. You know, if we yeah. think about the women in our lives that we could help, you know, that we could be more mindful of. Think about the workplace and how we could be supported. And I also yeah. want to empower black women to not only take control of our own health, but also like ask for, how are you being supported at work? You're still having to yeah. do all your Zoom calls. Black lives, you know, black lives are still not being valued. You are menopausal. We need to advocate for ourselves because nobody else is going to do it. Not at the moment. Yeah. You know, no. so that's how it came about. I think the work that you're doing, I think I just spent, I spent a lot of time on your Instagram, Karen. Um, <laughs> it's fine. But, it's fine. I love that. I like engagement. It's fine. <laughs> but you were saying like how tiring it is and that it's racial trauma, it's racial weathering. And yet you still, despite that, are opening yourself up and giving advice on how other women like you should be looking after themselves and supporting themselves. How are you looking after yourself? Ooh. First of all, with Instagram, I love the connection. When Instagram works, it's amazing. <laughs> yes. It has its moments, though. It does. Every once in a while. So I am very careful about only speaking when I have something to say. And usually it's something that's niggling me that I've gone, oh, maybe I shouldn't say this. Oh, fuck it, I'll do it anyway. And then that opens the conversations because I feel it's about having conversations with people going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. How am I looking after myself? I let go, I try to, mm -hmm. let go of the need to control every fucking thing. <laughs> 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 so this third lockdown, I am leaning more into deep breathing. Hmm. My routine is all over the place and has been for the last few months, actually. And so I'm trying to remember what served me well first lockdown or when I left teaching. Yeah. And the things that served me were being silent, journaling, having a routine, like I said, not trying to plan everything. Or if I am planning, it's not being the end of the world if it doesn't go according to plan. Like, for example, this situation today in itself would have floored me. Oh, yes, because you've had... <laughs> You've had a day of, uh, of, of tech issues yeah. with podcast recordings, right? I would have taken to my bed. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. Beds are great. Even, a, you know, a couple, I was going to say a year ago, but it feels like 2020, we can put that to one side. So like in 2019, yeah. let's say. But yeah. I was laughing when I was making my coffee earlier because I thought nothing has gone according to plan. All the stuff I no. was going to do hasn't happened. And that's fine. The other yeah. thing is... I'm much gentler with myself, much gentler with myself. I'm a badass, you know. You are. And I, you know, when I'm feeling like, oh, I haven't done this and I haven't written my newsletter and I haven't seen a client for three, you know, for three months or that kind of thing, I think, you know what, that's fine. And also that if I feel like this today, 
tomorrow I'll feel differently. Feelings are fleeting. They feel so permanent. Yeah. And then they're not. Yeah. And it sounds a bit airy-fairy, but being alive is a privilege. I'm 58 years old and being 58 and getting this far, knowing full well that lots of people didn't get to my age. When I recognised that, that was a game changer. Gratitude, actually. Intentional gratitude. Being thankful for little things and looking for the joy in every day. I mean, it sounds a bit wanky, but it's absolutely true. It it is a game changer. And when I remember that, I feel a lot better. So when feelings come, I kind of go, oh, okay, that's happening today, is it? All right, then, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) But I know what works. I know what works as well. I know that if I decide to put on a great tune and start dancing, I will feel better straight afterwards. You know, I know that if I dress intentionally, I will feel better. I know that if I'm tired, I'm allowed to go to bed in the middle of the day. I'm allowed to have a hot bath in the middle of the day. I can do that, you know. These things are so important. I I think in in my book, I wrote about having a boring list. And it's basically a self-care checklist. And it's all the really boring, mundane shit. Like, have you washed your face? How much cheese have you eaten today? All of these things where it's like, are you doing the things that you know you shouldn't necessarily be doing for your own mental health? Are you just numbing yourself? Or are you proactively, have you done yoga today? Have you done, have you been outside? Yeah. Have you, for me, it's like, have you washed your face? Did you put on a bra? Have you taken a shower? Like, have you spoken to another human being today? There's all of these like, kind of really simple, boring things. But I think that comes from therapy and self-understanding and self-awareness to know what it is that you need. And you strike me as somebody who very much knows what she needs. Yeah, I know. I forget sometimes. And my daughters (laughs) are very good at reminding me. I have two amazing daughters who are so... They know themselves very well. And so they, they know me. And so, mm-hmm. you know, my eldest is in my bubble, hallelujah, uh, with my grandson. And she's very good at saying, but did you do this? Or maybe you need to not go on Instagram for a few days, mum. Or, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, going for a walk, getting daylight into your eyes is incredibly important. Another thing I did is I wrote this list on an A3 piece of paper and coloured a border in. So I have a list of, I don't know what you call them, but they're things that bring me joy every day. And it's like there's a particular tune that I like to play or, well, it was before lockdown, so it was hugs, you know, or talking to one of my daughters. And that talking to another human being, in the past I would have gone days without speaking to anyone. So you end up talking to yourself, which I also do. Nothing wrong with that. I have great conversations with myself. Keeps things interesting. (laughs) Singing is another good one. You know, singing out loud, badly. I was going to say all goodly. I think I'm going to stop talking (laughs) because these words don't make any sense at all. Yeah. Goodly singing. I like it. I've got a list on my fridge is my point. You mentioned your daughters and I absolutely love the image 
of you because you do modeling as well and you've had quite a lot with with spec savers i remember i got a catalog with your gorgeous face on it and my home and i was like i know her (laughs) um and there was also a billboard with with your beautiful eyes on it and you have a gorgeous photo of of your daughter looking up at your billboard which was so lovely um you said that they can in a sense look after you now they know you well enough to kind of know what your needs are how did you do that (laughs) how have you instilled that sort of self-confidence that powerfulness in them by being true to myself Mm. I think that me choosing me Mm -hmm. has allowed them to choose themselves so leaving a job that I no longer love that wasn't serving me taking myself into therapy Mm -hmm throwing all the self-care at me, turning the gaze on myself, setting boundaries and turning my life around, really, you know, going from a full-time salaried job to freelance, where's the money now, invoice me now kind of thing, job. So I suppose I've tried to lead by example. I think that's really important though. I've I've always been that person anyway. I as a teacher, I was never someone who would tell kids to do things that I wouldn't do. Yeah. And I have never been a parent who would say do as I say not as I do kind of thing. So I yeah. but I think the biggest things have they've watched my growth. They've experienced what I've been through. And you know, your kids, and they're not kids, but they're not stupid. You know, they, they, they're, they're not idiots. And you can say no. things until you're blue in the face. But if you're doing the opposite, then they're going to do the opposite too. Yeah. And so I just feel I led by example. It got to the point where, and lots of menopausal women say this happens. It got to the point where I was sick of my own bullshit. And I, I, I just... <laughs> couldn't not be truthful anymore so my I mean I'm I got honest with other people but more importantly I was honest with myself you know I I am I question my motives all the time why are you really doing that kind do you really want to do that or do you are you just doing that because you want that person to think highly of you what's really going and Mm. why is that you know Mm. yeah being your own therapist right the thing about therapy and growth and your journey is that it's never ending I mean it's exhausting because I uh, you know I tend to overthink everything but at the same time it's incredibly fulfilling so I in terms of my girls well they teach me now they pull me up you know they you'll you will obviously find this in years to come that they will turn around and say (laughs) things to you that make you look around and go but I'm the parent it's I'm, you know you don't get to say that but actually How dare you? you know but they're absolutely right so um yeah it's just about if you're honest with yourself and you choose yourself and you put yourself first it empowers the people around you to do the same thing and I think that's what my girls have done I hope that's what they've done anyway I, don't know. <laughs> I, I think so I think so um so going back to the the title of this podcast what do you think has been at the heart of your work and everything that you've done and everything you continue to do? What is at the heart of what? Honesty. I'll, I'll go for. Hmm. 
It has to be. Honesty has allowed me to not stick to one thing. And joy too. I like having fun. So yeah. how I got into modeling and how I've got into all the things I'm doing is following the things that fill me up, that make me want to get out of bed in the morning. I love working with color. I love working with women. I love being creative. I love chatting to women. I think it's important to share so that other people don't feel so alone. So it's, it's, I guess all of that does boil back down to being honest about my motives. And if I'm honest to myself and honest to other people, then I could be anything in the next year, the next five years, the next 10 years, you know. Um, does that answer your question? It really does. I think we should do a duet. <laughs> yeah, just like that. We'll call it goodly, goodly duet. <laughs> oh my god. Um, Karen, thank you so so much for this. I so appreciate your time. Um, this has been a wonderful chat, even with our tech oh, issues man. to begin with. Um, remind me, where can our listeners follow you? Oh gosh, if you're in Instagram, I am the Karen Arthur, and menopause whilst black. If you're on Twitter, I am Redskin UK. Yeah, that'll do, won't it? That'll do. Yeah, that'll do. I mean, you know, I if you Google the Karen Arthur, I come up. Come on. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Karen, thank you so much. You're very, very, very welcome, Kate. How brilliant is Karen? I could have talked to her forever. She is just full of light and positivity, but also incredibly honest and vulnerable at the same time. I really encourage you to give her podcast, Menopause Whilst Black, a listen, because even if this isn't something that you're currently or will ever go through, understanding more about what the women in our lives experience during this time is really important. If you'd like to watch that really powerful video interview Karen and I discussed, it's on the Style Like You YouTube channel, that's the letter U, not the word, and it's titled How Depression and Menopause Freed Karen Arthur. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. And you can follow us on social media at Heart of It Podcast.